You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. The other day, a memory came up on my Facebook feed, and when I brought up Facebook, it showed this picture of our first home. Uh, Sarah and I, our first home was in Gray, Tennessee, and I remember we were so excited when we got that home. We actually, I was at a middle school camp, and, and so I was able to leave camp for, for a few hours, and we went and signed the documents, and Sarah got me a basketball hoop to, to take with us, and, and part of the negotiations was I, I wanted a mailbox, which sounds stupid that I was willing to risk losing a house over a $15 mailbox, but I got my mailbox. And so we, we went and installed it, and anyways, we had just patio furniture, a couple chairs, and we took it in the living room, and Sarah and I sat in this house, and we were so excited. We thought we had made it, right? We're sitting in this patio furniture, eating Chinese food, take out Chinese food, and we thought it was perfect, Fast forward uh, a couple days, a couple weeks, we, we've since painted everything, taken down the wallpaper, and, and trying to get this perfect feeling on a house, uh, the, the patio furniture wasn't cutting it anymore, right? And some of you guys have had a home, and, and you know that experience when you have your first house, that, that you maybe brought in your own patio furniture, whatever you had at the time, but it, it wasn't good enough for company, let alone for, uh, for us to sit in. So we went everywhere looking for furniture. And so we went, I feel like every furniture store in the Tri-Cities we've been to, um, Grands we went many times because I got popcorn and soda, and uh, be like, oh, we'd like to look one more time over here. And so we finally found the perfect couch and, and seating area. And so I was so excited. We sat down. We got it installed. It turns out it was way too big for our living room. Uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but and there was no returns. And so now we had uh, oversized furniture for a smaller room, but it was perfect. I don't know if you guys have experienced that. Like we sat down and I was like, this is it. We've made it. We have a house. I have a comfy chair. Everything's just right. And it was fall. And you know what fall means. I know you're all thinking the same thing. Denver Bronco time. And so uh, it was time for the Broncos in my own house, in my big chair. But we had this tiny TV. It was just this little TV from our first apartment. And it didn't matter at our first apartment because we only had two and a half channels for those several years. And so it didn't matter. We didn't have anything. But now I was going to get cable. And we had the Broncos. And I needed a TV. And so if you guys know me, which uh, Elliot can attribute, I am very frugal. And so I looked for a long time for the right uh, TV, the right deal, and I missed the Bronco season, but I found the best deal on Super Bowl Sunday, and we finally got the perfect TV. And so I was so excited. I had the perfect house, the, the perfectly painted, the perfect chair, the perfect TV. I was able to watch whatever I wanted and kick back on this big TV. But right by this time, it's spring, and I'm hungry. I have eaten since then, but uh, springtime makes you think of cooking out, right? And we had a grill, but it was just a little grill that we got when we were first married, and it was a dinky grill, and it had traveled many times, and it had cracks in it, and and I'm sure it was emitting propane, and it was dangerous, Uh, but so I needed a new grill, and so I looked all over, and it was grill time, so there was deals here, deals there, and I finally found the perfect grill to be able to make the perfect hamburger, and so now I was set, right? Now I was in my chair, I, was, I had my food, I had my TV, uh, I was sitting waiting for, for the Broncos to start another season, I, I, I had something to drink, I had something to eat, everything was perfect. 
and fall came. The Broncos played on my big TV, and it was fabulous, right? Uh, and so we didn't have a good team, but that's okay. We, we were still watching, and it was great until, yes, you know where I'm going. It's November, and it's starting to get cold, and I need a blanket. And so I had the perfect chair and the perfect house with the perfect grill and the perfect TV and the perfect sports team, and, but I was cold. And now, if you know the Corrells, we are of abundance of blankets. There's never been a blanket that we shied away from. When we go to stores, we see blankets like other people see rescue dogs at, at the vet. And we're like, we need to bring that blanket home. It's going to go to a bad home if we don't grab it. And so we'll grab that blanket and we bring it home and introduce it to the other, for other blankets and they have a big pile and enjoy each other and, and we pull out occasionally. And so I grabbed the perfect blanket. I picked up from all my blankets. I had the perfect one, right? And I put it out. Now, now it was perfect. The Broncos are playing. I had food. I had the chair. I had the house. I had the grill. I had the blanket. And as you can see, this is the exact stage that was in my living room. And you can, I'm sure you can figure out what's the problem right now, right? My arms are cold. What am I going to do? This blanket isn't good enough. So I had to go online and order a Snuggie. Get rid of this blanket and get one. A blanket with sleeves is the way to go. So now, now I had the perfect house with the perfect chair, with the perfect grill, with the perfect football team, with the perfect TV, with the perfect blanket, with warm arms. And it was all perfect. Until... And this story could go on and on. You guys have experienced this story. Where am I going to find contentment? Like, there was never enough. At first, just this house with uh, a folding patio furniture was great, and now I need something to keep my arms warm because they're too cold underneath when they have to expose from the blanket. I always wanted more. This morning, as we close in Philippians, this is what Paul's talking about is contentment, is finding that you don't always need more. And, and for you guys, maybe this was experience that you've had, maybe not. Maybe some of you, uh, uh, ladies, you might know, have been down this road where <clears throat> you get a new, um, a new cover for your bed, a new duvet, as they say in fancy places, and uh, I call it a, a padded sheet, but uh, a, new, a new duvet, and it doesn't match the curtains. So now we got to get new curtains, and the curtains don't match the wall coloring. Now you got to change the wall coloring, which doesn't match the bathroom, and before you know it, you're installing a jacuzzi tub because you got a new duvet on the bed, right? Now guys, don't be nudging your, your ladies because I know many of you get a new hunting rifle, and now if I just had the perfect trail cam, then I'd be able to capture something. And then, so you get the trail cam, and then well, if I had the right, the right bait or sense or whatever to be able to get animals to come, obviously I'm not a hunter. I'm like, hey, give them candy. Um, and, but whatever it is, it leads to something else that we're never content, right? And so this is what Paul's talking about. This isn't a new thing for a guy in his first house wanting to watch the Broncos with warm arms. This is something that's been going on for thousands of years. So if you have your Bibles, open into Philippians chapter 4. That's where we're going to dive into to be able to see what Paul talks about contentment and finding contentment and finding joy in Christ. Finding joy in, is, is found in gratitude. Gratitude for what Christ has already done. Not more that we need, not that extra blanket or, or that extra thing or this extra relationship or this extra, this extra high in life, but finding our joy and our contentment and gratitude in what Jesus has already done. 
Paul is writing to this church in Philippi, a church that he established in Acts 16, and, and he's writing to this church, and he's, he's writing from Rome. He's in captivity, as we've talked about before. He's chained to a guard, and he shares these thoughts in chapter 4, starting in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Paul's so excited. The Philippians have sent, uh, sent a messenger to come be with Paul. They've sent someone to not just deliver a message, hand off an envelope, and then leave, but this guy comes to just care for Paul, to love on Paul, to spend time with Paul. They, he comes with bearing gifts, with money, and, and probably personal things. It's, it's, I can imagine someone being like, hey, can you give this to Paul when you see him? Hey, I made this. Can you give this to Paul? This might bring him some joy. And so he's rejoicing that they have remembered him. It says, indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being, living content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or at want. I can do all, through, all this through him who gives me strength. Paul knew good times and bad. And Paul's saying he's found contentment in all of it. He very clearly knew hard times. We've seen some of those when we studied Acts. We, we see those in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, Rather, as servants of God, we commended ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distress, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. He's seen the bad times, and he's seen the good. When he established this church in Philippi, one of the places the church began was in a wealthy business owner named Lydia. And she opened up their home, and, and I got to imagine that she took great care of Paul. That, that her servants would have made wonderful meals, and that Paul would have lived in luxury in Lydia's home. He's seen good times and bad, and yet he, needs, he talks about finding contentment in both. When we mapped out this book of Philippians, it was in the middle of July, and it was amazing at that time I looked and how this book fell, that the last week, the week on contentment, would come five days after the election. And I thought I didn't know which way the election would go, but I knew that there'd be people upset either way, people that would need to find contentment, not in where our political landing lands, but find contentment in Jesus as Paul says here, that he found this because of what God has done. There's a verse here, verse 13. It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It's a wonderful verse. It's a verse you see on a lot of posters. It's a verse that, uh, in all honesty, is often taken out of context when we see this in athletic abilities and we say, oh, we can do all things through God who gives me strength. But the reality is I still can't dunk a basketball and, and we can't do those things but what this is talking about when it says I can do all this we got to look at this verse in context he's talking about those verses before he can do all this he can find contentment in the midst of hard times and good times in the midst of the person we voted for in the midst of the person we didn't vote for in the midst of a home with folding chairs in the midst of a home with a blanket with sleeves that he can find contentment through Christ. It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. As we look at this, how, how do we make it through day by day? How do we make it through? It's through Christ who gives us strength. 
How do we find contentment instead of just always wanting more? Maybe if I get that one more thing, I'll be happy. This is how debt builds up, that, that if I just buy that one thing, then we'll stop, and, and then you need one more thing, and, and then one more thing. This is how relationships fall apart and affairs begin. Well, if I, I was just kind of a little flirtatious, and, and then a little more interaction, and then I, I just want more, and this contentment never stops. Because we're not turning to Christ for our strength. We're not turning to Christ for our peace, for our gratitude. There's a poem I came across as we talked about this, and, and it was a beautiful poem. It, it captures it very well, how many of us are feeling, right? It's called Present Tense. It says, it was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, freedom and respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted, to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted, the presence of mine without the limitations. My life was over, and I never got what I wanted. Believe it or not, this poem was written by a 14-year-old boy that wrote and submitted this to Dear Abby, and it was published in the 90s. And, and he captured this idea of always wanting more, of always wanting something different. Paul addresses that to the Philippians. He's addressing that to us, that we always want something more. We always want something different, that this isn't good enough, that we try to find our contentment in things of this world, and we're never going to. Proverbs 30 talks about this. He says, Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. To find our self-worth in Christ, not in our things. Because when we often look to our things and we're never satisfied. The blanket isn't good enough. Now I need a blanket with sleeves. Seems silly, but I bet there's a silly example for all of us. And sometimes it's more than a silly example. Sometimes it's debt and addictions, wrong relationships, wasted wealth, trying to find joy. These things come through our life because we're trying to find this contentment instead of turning to Christ. We try to be self-sufficient instead of Christ-sufficient. Instead of finding our sufficiency in Christ, which would be the best, and that's what Paul is telling us, that he finds he's had good times and bad, and either way he can find contentment because it's not in those times. It's in being sufficient in Christ. This is who gives him strength. And so the passage continues the passage continues, verse 14, it says, Yet it was good to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. 
I think Paul makes this transition from talking about contentment to about the gifts that they've given for a reason. To say that, that out of our contentment, out of finding our self-worth, our Christ-worth in God, often leads to generosity. It often leads into, instead of us wanting more, and wanting one more thing, that our mind shifts and we see, where does God want? Where is God wanting us to do, wanting us to, to give with our wealth, with our time, with, with, our, with our energy? That he's saying that there's a financial support is gospel support, is gospel partnership. We've talked about it the past couple of weeks about our new missionary to, to Spain, and I'm so excited that we'll be able to support her financially, but in that, we're partnering with her. As she talks to people about Jesus Christ, you're talking to people about Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful thing, and that comes out of generosity, a generosity that comes out of our contentment in God. Instead of using our, our money or our time trying to get more, if we find our more in Jesus, we'll realize we're satisfied. And we'll be able to give that energy or those funds in a different direction to God's kingdom. When we were in Taiwan, there was a lady named Hope Schaffline. And Hope Schaffline was an amazing woman. She had been in our church uh, in, call, in Tennessee, and she had always wanted a little girl. And she had two boys. They were middle school, high school age. And so when we had Abby, she went nuts. Like anything pink that she could find, she would buy for us. And she'd bring it to Abby, and she'd want to spend time with, with us and, and with Abby. And she just loved having a little girl. And so when we went to Taiwan with Abby and Isaiah, they were one and three uh, she, she decided to take us on as a, as a little project to just continue to love on us like she used to. And so every few months we would get this brown box from Hope Schaffline. And we were so excited and tears would well up in our eyes. And, and we lived with the students at the school there in Taiwan. And so they would come and we would open it together with them because she was always sending them stuff as well. And so we would open it, and there was books, and there was, and there was gifts, and there was toys for the kids, and, and there was always something that she would give. We had told her how many girls we had living with us. The, the female students lived in, in our home, and, and that term, there was, I think, four. And so she sent five mugs, one of which is this faith mug. Sarah's got to keep this one, and, and so we had this faith mug, and the, each of the girls had faith, hope, love, and I think we, they duplicated, and each of the girls were reminded of God. They didn't know Hope Schaffline. They didn't drink their mug thinking of hope about this lady that, that cared for our little girl. They knew about God because of her generosity. We came back from Taiwan and Hope was dying of cancer and we went and saw her on her last final days and, and just told her thank you. And we re relayed to her how much those gifts meant to us, but we shared with her those gifts didn't just mean that Hope cared for us. It pointed us to God. That we were doing something worthwhile, that, that God was being praised, that, and that these girls would see God's gifts from this strange lady in America was sending them mugs and them books and they would be pointed towards God because of Hope's generosity. This generosity is something I love and see in this church. This, this generosity is something that I, I see abundantly clear. Even in this crazy time of, 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 
COVID and, and, and this time where there's so uncertainty, uh, just listen to a couple of things that you guys have done. I'm so excited. You know, we're, we've taken on a missionary to Spain. You've partnered with a school to give them uh, uh, water. Um, we've partnered with, with uh, parents that were in a, in a bind when their kids had to be uh, remote learning. We opened up this place and, and we were able to do that. Uh, we provided meals for the apartments across the street during the lockdown. Uh, we went to Sent to Serve multiple times. You guys have served all around this, this area. Your faithfulness and gratitude throughout this time is abundant. And there's something coming up. Like, I, I think I might have alluded to it last week. Christmas Eve. I'm so excited, right? I have something to tell you guys at Christmas Eve that's going to blow your mind that you guys have done. And so I'm, I'm so pumped. Every time I think about it, tears well up. Uh, I shared it with the operations team, with the staff. They've all cried. We are excited for this. And so this is your guys' giving by being Christ-sufficient. Instead of searching for self-sufficiency, as a church, we've looked for Christ's sufficiency, and I feel like he has blessed us and he is blessing the world because of you guys. And so, I want to encourage you, as we look at this, and, and Paul talks very directly about their giving, uh, about that no one gave but the Philippians, and he says, thank you, and, and many people would take this message and say, this is why you need to give to the church, and, and my message to you is, this is why we need to give to God's kingdom. Wherever that looks like. If that looks like Discovery Church financially or maybe your time. Maybe this isn't all about money but about your gifts and your abilities. Maybe this is about sent to serve. Maybe this is helping out in the children's area. Then I want to encourage you to give. But, but more than to discovery, give to God's kingdom. If there's something else that God has laid on your heart for your time, for your funds, then give. Let it not be that we are constantly striving for more but that we find our contentment in Christ so much so that we're letting go, that we're giving out of this gratitude. Wherever that looks like in God's kingdom, let us find, bring glory to him and he will be praised. That's what we see here at the end. As Paul closes his book to the Philippians, as his final words to, to this town of Philippi, he says, now that I Not that I desire your, your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to, to your account. It's not about him getting anything. It's about them glorifying God. He says, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Ephraim the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And may God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with you, who are with me, send greetings. And I love this part. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. He's saying, especially the guards, the, the prison guards that have been watching me, they, the prison guards that have been hearing me talk about Jesus, they've accepted Christ and they want to tell you howdy to all you in Philippians. They saw the gift you gave and they're amazed. Just like the students that lived with us were thankful to hope because they were pointed towards God for what she gave. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. It says that this offering that they gave was a beautiful sacrifice was a was a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice the fragrant offering acceptable sacrifice is what you do in worship 
that in this time you would go to the temple and you would and you would make a fragrant offering. You would you would light a, a, a lamp and and make this aurora, aroma and it would smell well and it was meant to be a fragrant, a beautiful fragrance to God. It was part of worship. And so when we look at what we give, when we look at how how we're generous. I want us to see our generosity is worship to God. Our generosity is bringing him joy, is bringing him pleasure. That when we give out of our, uh, out of our abundance, when we're not searching for more and grasping for more, when we find contentment in Christ and then we can turn around and give, that is a fragrant offering. That is worship. That's the way that we can love on God. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. I want to be clear. As we talk about giving, we don't give so we can be saved. We give because we are saved. It is by God's grace that we're saved, not by any works that we can do, but because of his grace that we're already saved, that's where we turn and give to God's kingdom. We set up the service uh, intentionally. A lot of times, like I said, a lot of churches would use this message as a, a reason to give and a push for offering. And we're not a normal church. I mean, I just had a hamburger at 10.30 in the morning uh, on stage with you, right? So the, we don't do things normal, and, and I think God blesses that in a lot of ways. We intentionally had offering before this message, because I don't want us to come away from this message feeling guilty, feeling pressure, feeling anything, and, and then being asked to give. But I want to come away from this message is focused on Christ. So we're going to transition from this message on finding contentment, this message on giving, this message on, on our, giving out of our abundance into communion. Because this is what we give out of. It says that we can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. That we can do all these things through Christ who's in us. Because he came and he died on the cross and rose again. That I want us to close this time into a time of communion that we would be meditating on God's word. Meditating on Jesus and this relationship with him. And from there, see what God's leading us to give. Not to discovery. And if that's the answer, that's great. But where is he leading you to give to his kingdom? Is it starting a small group at your your work? Is it just loving on the neighbor next door? Maybe making her cookies? Mowing her yard? Raking her leaves? Is it caring for that coworker? Is it helping out at school? Is it maybe in your own home? Loving the unlovable that seems like they just drive you crazy. Where is it that we can give because we've been given? We've been given salvation, we've been given eternity, we've been given grace and forgiveness. As we go to this time of offering, I'm going to pray and, and then just dismiss us. we got stations around the table, around the room. If, you, if you're watching at home, go grab something from the kitchen and just spend the next few minutes finding contentment in God. And if you feel like you're in that rat race trying to get more, if you feel like you're in this path of needing a blanket with sleeves, maybe it's time to pray and ask God to be sufficient. Because at the end of the day, we sold that house. 
We sold that, <coughs> that furniture. We gave away that grill. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. We, we, we gave away the Snuggie. This is a new one. Um, but we got rid of all of that because none of it mattered. What mattered was Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we go to communion, let us reflect on what matters. God, we thank you for your love for us and, and your care. God, I ask that you be glorified in us, that you be lifted high. God, I, I pray that we can that we can point others to you. And God, that this time of communion would be time that we can meditate on who you are, that we can find contentment in you. In the hard times and the good, whatever we might be facing right now, contentment comes from you. Remind us of that, God. We lift this up in your name. Amen.